San Diego's leaders have long been pushing for safer streets and ways to get people out of their cars, but a plan for an interconnected bike network remains delayed and is $79 million over budget. Local leaders say challenges in construction are primarily responsible for the delays. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Josh Armstrong-Smith, your transportation reporter for the Union Tribune. And recently you wrote a story about how this plan for this massive bike network is delayed and over budget. Why does this keep happening? Well, yeah, that is the question, right? Because we saw that we saw this plan get approved back in 2013 at a budget of $200 million for 77 bike lane, 77 miles of bike lane. And now it's up to $279 million. They've scaled it back to 70 miles of bike lanes. And uh, they've actually pushed the date back for which it's going to be completed. So it seems like what's going on is that they just can't agree on what these bike lanes are going to look like, mm-hmm. especially in the most dense urban areas where bike lanes could really kind of overhaul what a street looks like. Because remember, we're not just painting white lines on a road here. They're talking about doing what we call protected bike lanes. Mm-hmm. So there could be a concrete curb to protect the lane from the traffic. They could move parked cars out away from the curb to create a space for bikes between the parked cars and the sidewalk. Or in some cases, they could use the plastic bollards. These are the Mm -hmm. plastic poles that you see sticking up out of the ground. But then they're also doing things like um, traffic calming measures with uh, traffic circles and flashing crosswalks and and a bunch of different things where they're like ripping things, ripping streets up and totally overhauling them to make them not only more bike friendly, but more pedestrian friendly. So the kind of first problem that you explained here is that it seems that there are a lot of people and a lot of organizations that have a lot of say in what gets built and why. Can you kind of give us that universe? Sure. Right. So Sandag comes up with their ideas about where these bike lanes should go. They have a bunch of consultants who specialize in this that then would draw up the bike lane with all the amenities and then uh, it would go to um, some kind of government uh, planning department mm-hmm. there under the under the the umbrella of the 279 million dollars there are 33 different projects 22 of which are in the city of San Diego so let's just take that for an example. So Sandag has its consultant draw up the plans. Then they go to the Development Services Department in the city of San Diego. And uh, DSD has to prepare it and bring it to the Planning Commission for approval. And at any moment here, people could start disagreeing, especially when you go before the Planning Commission and and you have uh, members of the public who really may be the biggest obstacle here. Mm -hmm. And the neighborhood groups that are opposing these projects, they say Sandag is messing this up. They can't draw a bike lane to, to save their life. And the bike advocates are saying, no, it's these 
community groups that are slowing the process down, not because the plants aren't good, but because they don't want to lose parking, mm-hmm. which some of these plans displace parking. Parking gets moved around, or in some cases, there's a loss of parking. And they say uh, it's these neighborhood groups that are causing the that are causing the plans to delay unreasonably. That's what happened in North Park, right? Or what is happening? Yeah, I mean, well, like I said, this goes back to 2013, and we remember North Park and Uptown and the endless community meetings that they were holding, Sandag was holding with the public, and the changes, the revisions. I mean, it was it was really endless. The Hillcrest Business Association, which has since come to some kind of understanding with the city over what's going to be built, um, although nothing is been completed yet. Mm -hmm. Since we last had this conversation about this subject, the biggest change that occurred was the rise and arguably slight fall of scooters. Are scooters changing the conversation at all when it comes to bike lanes? Because this is another time in which pedestrians will on a scooter, but people are in more risk of getting run over by a car. If they are, I am just shocked that they are not doing so more. I'm just shocked that they that it hasn't created a sense of urgency. Now mm-hmm. we have all these people on scooters. You'd think that the advocates for the bike lanes would say we've got to do this, but I don't see I don't hear a lot of people making that argument. You know, it's 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 kind of strange to me, especially all the people who are saying we want to get them off the sidewalks, but the bike advocates haven't gotten together with those people. Everything seems very disjointed, to be honest. Um, I I would imagine if. I was advocating for bike lanes. As soon as the scooters came in, I would make that a big talking point. But mm-hmm. it does that doesn't seem to be the case. And it might be because a lot of these bike lanes, they're approved and funded. There's bike lanes that are approved and funded outside of the sand. Even So Sandag has a, a bunch of them, right? But there's bike lanes all over the place that mm-hmm. are approved and funded, and they're just not getting built. And so... So in a sense, like the conversation is done, it's just a matter of doing it, right? Yeah, but I guess you'd you'd want you'd want to say, you know, push this through, make this happen, because look, we've got all these scooters on the street, and they need somewhere to ride. Otherwise, they ride on the sidewalk or they ride in the street, and it's dangerous, you know. But I haven't. I I, I honestly, I thought I'd hear that a lot more than I than I have. Yeah, when it comes to transportation, it appears that nobody's willing to talk outside of their one point of view, in a sense. Well, I will say, like I said in the piece, this is part of this larger issue of how to overhaul autocentric Southern California, right? Like we're the Sacramento's yelling at all of the cities, all the major urban areas, especially in Southern California, mm-hmm. LA, San Diego. You guys got to make your neighborhoods denser. You got to make them more transit friendly, more walking friendly, more biking friendly. You got to get people out of their cars. And overhauling these communities has proved just extremely difficult and politically challenging. And this is just one more example, right? Unless unless the bike advocates, I mean, we don't really know. I mean, this, I, I guess I have to go back to this, like, the bike advocates are saying 
It's all the neighborhood opposition and the politicians don't have the backbone to stand up to them. And mm-hmm. the politicians just need to tell the, the people in the communities, you know, suck it up. You're going to lose some parking, but this is what's best for the community. And it's going to happen anyway. And it's going to happen anyway. Now, the, the people in the community say, no, these plans are poorly drawn. Mm-hmm. So I have, a, I have a hard time with it, you know, like. Are the plans poorly drawn? Sandag's never done any bike lanes before. Now they're doing $279 million worth of them. So maybe maybe this could have been handled better in a number of different ways. It's hard to say at this point because, you know, like I said, it is 33 different projects. Mm-hmm. They're real. They can be very complicated. These are Cadillac bike lanes. Sometimes they're grade separated paths, right? Like inland rail trails. Wow. You know, like these are really ex- expensive things. So, and those are actually the ones that are easier to do because they're not Because they're separate, right? Yes. Because we're putting them where there's nothing else, right? We're not mm-hmm. putting them through someone's neighborhood. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I remember when I lived in, in San Francisco many mm-hmm. years ago, the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition just went around and painted bike lanes on the streets illegally until the city stopped them from that's doing a, that. That's metal. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it does come to that at some point. But also, if, like, let's say this gets dragged on and on and on, what happens when money is approved, project is approved, and it just doesn't happen? Like, can someone sue? Well, the price goes up, man, because the construction costs are going through the roof. And the more we delay, the more expensive this gets. Right. But, you know, if it's a matter of political will, maybe the city has to wait for new political leadership, you know. But these are all people that like Kevin Faulkner at the city of San Diego who didn't comment for my story. So we really don't know what's inside his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on the Sandag board, right? Like he's approving these these things. He's saying, let's go do this. But then when it comes time to build them in his in his communities, it's like, OK, why is it not getting done? Yeah, it is a hot potato, so he doesn't want to be holding it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like a hot potato. But I, it does seem like this thing where if you do care about transit, if you do care about making neighborhoods more walkable, this is like a key ingredient, right? Mm-hmm. Because micro mobility, the scooters, like you were saying, everything else. This could really revolutionize the way people get around. It makes it easier to get from your your first and last mile to transit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it can replace car trips. I'm doing an article for this weekend talking about whether or not that really leads to a reduction in greenhouse gases. So we'll have to look out for that. But basically, this could really like revolutionize everything. Mm-hmm. Putting just simply like putting in bike lanes where people feel safe. But uh, we just don't seem to be able to do it for some reason. Yeah, Not when, fast, at least. Yeah. And when you look at kind of all of the pieces of this transformation of Southern California into a place that's walkable and less dependent on cars, is the bike lane piece of this or the bike piece of this the weakest link? Oh, man, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, probably the weakest link or the most important part of this or how whatever metaphor you want to use is the density, mm-hmm. right? Like the way that transit and walkable neighborhoods work, the way you get people out of your cars is you bring a certain level of density that 
San Diego only experiences in its downtown urban core mm-hmm. and maybe some satellite neighborhoods. And if you really want to meet the state's targets for getting people out of their cars and reducing those tailpipe emissions, you're going to have to see like tremendous density happen. And that and that's tough because not only do you have to make the poli- the tough political decision to upzone a neighborhood, but then the developers have to come in and build it, right? Because mm-hmm. like cities aren't building this stuff the developers come in and build it so the private sector has a big role to play so and then once you do all that then yeah maybe your neighborhoods become more transit friendly but i mean kind of the jury's still out on that the only place that's really seen any success is seattle Mm -hmm. right and they are surrounded by water and had a fairly dense grid to begin with and had amazon locate downtown and we, on the other hand, have jobs everywhere. We have mm-hmm. jobs all over the place, right? Like San, the city, downtown San Diego only has 5% of the region's jobs, right? Then you got like Sorrento Valley and Kearney Mesa, another 16%. But then they're all over the place, yeah, right? Yeah, little like, tiny bits everywhere. Little tiny bits everywhere. People are crisscrossing all across the all across the county to get to work. So, you know, can bike lanes really make a big dent in that? They can definitely be a part of it, especially... You can see you could see like a snowball effect, right? Yeah. You could see like if you got people out of their cars, you've got these kind of vibrant, uh, walkable communities, maybe you beefed up the transit a little bit, even even just making the transit we have more frequent and reliable, mm-hmm. you know, even beyond laying new rail track. You could see then maybe some some employers saying, I want to locate to the dense areas. I want to locate downtown San Diego because that's where my employees want to be. They want to be where it like it's vibrant and happening and bustling, right? And that's what happened with Amazon in Seattle, right? Like they didn't locate there because it was the cheapest place. They located there because they knew that to attract the kind of talent that they wanted, they had to offer this mm-hmm. kind of urban environment, right? So maybe if San Diego does all this stuff and I could see National City being part of this, mm-hmm. right? You could you could see bringing in those jobs back to the urban core so then you could really service um, you could service the employment hubs more easily without a car yeah and that is possibly possible in the future because there are a number of kind of new developments that are trying to seek those employers to move into San Diego with the plan to read a Horton Plaza and mm. variety of new skyscrapers that are going around downtown but right. that's years a lot of residential ahead. though mm-hmm lot of residential yeah but it is years and it takes a long time right like it it took 50 years as the um, executive director of the san diego association of governments told me uh last week it took us 50 years to get into this auto-centric mess we're gonna take 50 years to get out of it you know Mm -hmm. i mean is it gonna happen maybe i don't know it's hard to say really it really is hard to say right like there's a big push for it to happen but um, it, you know, we might be, we might be dead and gone. Possibly. <laughs> Josh Remington Smith, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. In other transportation news, pink buses have been deployed in Tijuana as part of a program to offer safer transportation and to prevent harassment against women. They're called Linea Rosa, Pink Line, and are operated by the bus company Verde y Crema. The bus goes from Zono Centro to La Presa from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. 
A study done on the problem says 75% of women had experienced some type of harassment while on public transit in Tijuana. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get a flash briefing as your podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrip.com slash podcasts. Until next time.